0: into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Welcome back, friends. Today, I feel very blessed and honored to share this space with a very good friend of mine, She's a total sweetheart, and I know by the end of this cast, you're going to love her as much as I do. Her name is Liana Warner Gray. Liana is an international advocate for natural healing and the best-selling author of 10-Minute Recipes, The Earth Diet, and Cancer-Free with Food. Her coaching practice has helped thousands of individuals around the world improve and heal conditions such as acne, cancer, depression, and diabetes, purely by changing what they eat and consume. That's why I'm so excited to have her here because I know that so many people are going to benefit not only from hearing her story, but hearing the truth about how much control you actually have over your health. Liana is going to help me break down how to live an empowered life and why this is important even if sickness or cancer doesn't run in your family. Plus, we're going to talk about my father's healing journey, which is in her newest book, and share some hacks on how to make food healthy and delicious. I don't know about you, but I'm a total yes to cauliflower pizza. All right, friends, I'm so excited for you to meet Liana. Liana, welcome to the Awesome Inside Out podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Where do we begin on this beautiful journey of yours? So Liana flew in last two nights ago? Yep, Saturday. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for my husband's 40th birthday. And while she was here, I was like, we have to do a podcast (laughs) because I really, really wanted to share your story with by community and because it's just so brilliant and so amazing and so profound. So thank you for being here.
1: Yay. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, when I saw the invite for Craig's birthday party, I was like, I am not missing his 40th. It was
0: so fun. It was a a lot of fun. (laughs) So if you've seen, I've talked a lot about Liana and her work with the earth diet and her newest book, Cancer Free with Food. We did a live on Facebook But for those who don't know your story and your journey to healing your own cancer and this process that has been several years now in the making, I would love for you to just dive back to when you found out you had a tumor in your neck and what that process was like and how you really trusted your intuition throughout that journey.
1: Yeah. So I was um, 21. So this was over 10 years ago. So I've been cancer-free for 10 years. So I was in hospital and I was having a biopsy done. Because I had this huge like bulge sticking out of my neck. And it was whenever I would swallow water or food, it was like really hard to swallow. And so I was seeing a naturopath at the time and she's like, okay, you need to go to the hospital. This looks really serious. So I was like, okay, if my naturopath is telling me to go to the hospital, I was like, I, this must be serious. So I went to the hospital, they did the biopsy. And I just remember sitting there thinking like, if I have cancer, like, wow, what have I done to myself? And I had that thought because I knew I had done it to myself because my diet was horrendous. So five years prior to that being in hospital, I ate junk food every single day. And I knew it was wrong because I wasn't getting any nutrition from the food. So I would binge eat and I very quickly became addicted to the junk foods and processed foods because I didn't really grow up with a lot of it. My family like raised us very natural and we lived in the outback in Outback Australia. So we didn't really have that much junk food. We didn't even have McDonald's until I was 12 years old. So before that, we didn't have like fast food around us at our fingertips. And so when I was in hospital, I was like, okay, I know I've done this to myself. And then the biopsy came back and I had stage one cancer in my lymphatic system. So it was a 3.7 centimeter tumor. And so that's a form of lymphoma. And so in straight away, I just knew like, okay, this is my wake up call to go back to my roots go back to nature eat foods that are actually healing and this is my opportunity to break that addiction and you know get be healthy once and for all because i was so miserable with where my life was going i was like do i have to live like this every single day for the rest of my life like do i have to suffer every single day for the rest of my life and when i was really stuck in the addiction of it cuz i would try every week to give it up i'd be like okay come on monday i'm gonna start fresh start new i'm never going to eat junk food again So then that weekend I would go out, have a huge binge on whatever junk food I felt like, gummy bears for breakfast, pizza, McDonald's, KFC. And come Monday, it was like, oh, I'm just craving junk food. Okay, I'll try next week. So I got into that vicious cycle of it's not today, it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow. And so I accepted like, okay, this is my life, like life sucks and we'd have to suffer for our whole life. But then when I was in hospital, I was like, okay, somehow there has to be another way So I was just open to that. had some faith. And then because of my upbringing, I knew intuitively, like, don't get surgery. And I did not want to get chemo or radiation. Those options just did not resonate with me at all. And I know for some people when they get cancer, they're like, I do want to do surgery, but not the others. Or they feel empowered to do chemotherapy, and that's great. Like, I think everyone should be empowered in in their choice. But for me, it was like, I know food is going to heal me because this food got me here. Food destroyed my health. So I know that food can also heal me. Wow,
0: such a profound awareness. And for those who are listening that maybe are asking the question, well, how do I know what will heal me? Like, how do I trust that place in myself? How do I trust that intuition? Because you grew up with this healing side of it, right? Because you were living in that back. And did your your parents- like healers. educating about he- like, or, yeah, were they in that space?
1: Or? Well, my father's a chef and my mom was, she worked a regular like nine to five job, but she's was a gardener and she knew how to grow foods. It always fascinated me as a kid. I was like, wow, she just like, she got these two flowers together and now we have pumpkins. I was like, wow. So she's definitely like a foodie as well, but it was really the Aboriginal influence that helped me a lot because at school, half of the kids were white and not the other half were Aboriginal. So from when I can remember age five, we were taught about indigenous culture and we were taken out on bush excursions and school excursions and we were taught the indigenous ways. We were taught how to survive in the outback. So from a young age, I remember thinking, wow, okay, so the outback has everything I need. The earth has everything I need to survive and thrive and I can just go pick food straight from the bush or the tree. And it clicked for me at that young age that... If we can go to our own backyard and pull food from it and eat it, that was going to provide the body with the most nutrition possible. And also the spiritual part of food that was instilled in me then too. So I was like, this bush apple isn't just a bush apple, like yeah, it provides some calories and some vitamins, but it also has spirit and it has energy. So each different bush tucker, we call it like food from the outback bush tucker has a different spirit. So if we eat a kangaroo that has a different spirit versus eating a witchetty grub or a bush banana or a bush apple. So it's like taking on that spirit of that food as well. So I learned that if we eat processed foods, <laughs> what kind of spirit does that to process yeah. foods have? Yeah, <laughs> Very fragmented, chaotic, like anxiety ridden, just all over the place, all these ingredients and preservatives. And so eating food straight from nature just was like, okay, that was like, I knew that's what I needed to do.
0: Yeah, I'm curious because was similar with my story when I got really sick, I looked back and really saw the connection. I was like, wow, I developed this unhealthy relationship with food. And so you when you went from having this understanding to then eating junk food, what was the transition? Do you think it was the physical that your microbiome was craving the sugars once you put them in your body? Do you think it was mental, emotional that you were, you know, going to college or I believe you're in college, right? That yeah. you were really, really, really in, busy at that time. In
1: university, yeah. yeah. I think that now looking back at it that it was ancestral for me. So in my family, addiction, it runs in my family and it's drugs and alcohol. But for me, I I didn't really resonate towards those things. For me, I resonated towards food. And so, and I wasn't never taught as a kid, you know, and I'm definitely, bless my parents, it's not their fault. I just think that it's lacking these days in what we're teaching kids, like the wrong kind of stuff. But I wasn't taught about my emotional state growing up. So I was taught that not to have a bad feeling So I was taught that if I'm feeling bad, that something was wrong and I was wrong. So I needed to not feel bad. So as soon as I moved out of home and went to university, if I felt bad or felt like a weird emotion, I would go straight to junk food or sugary food and I would get like the sugar high for like five or 10 minutes and I'd feel amazing. Felt on top of the world. You know, it was like a full on drug. And then I would come crashing down 10 minutes later and feel awful and then feel guilty because I knew that food had no nutrition. So I was very confused with that. And then I think it quickly became that addiction because it was like, okay, now I feel bad again. What can I do to get back feeling good again? Oh, let me eat more sugar. Yeah, what can I do to get the hit? Get that hit. So I was always chasing that hit. And my whole day would revolve around getting that hit, getting that food. So with my healing also included not just the physical but the emotional the mental and the spiritual part of it as well. Yeah, and what what
0: did you do for that process for the emotional and the mental side of it because I think so often we know, right, what the right choice is. Like when we work with our clients, it's easy to say, "Hey, drink green juice, <laughs> eat a salad, do these things that we know are going to actually benefit their physical body, but to actually make that choice is a whole another it's a whole right. other thing. Yeah,
1: because yeah, every single human being knows pretty much how to be healthy, but there's those other elements that come into play and stop us from that. So for me, I was looking into that of like, oh, wow, what's stopping me from being healthy? And I have all this education my whole life, but I was so impulsive to go the other way and be destructive. So that was a deep healing like journey for me, for sure. But I started with the food because I felt like that's where the most damage was so I know some people start with their emotions or their, their mind or their soul with spiritual healing. So for me, I was like, okay, what's the most damaged? Let me fix that first. So it was the food for me. So every time I had a craving for something, chocolate, chips, gummy bears, chicken nuggets, burgers, I thought, okay, instead of me going and just buying it from the worst place possible, how can I make this as natural as possible? And I said to myself, like I'm only gonna eat foods from the earth for 365 days to fully break out of it. And I started a blog to help hold me accountable. And so that thought process helped me heal. So I was able to fulfill all my cravings that I was having and break the addiction with eating whole natural foods and making recipes to replace those cravings. And then as I was feeding my body all this food, it was also feeding my brain, my mind, my emotions. So that helped me heal those other parts. But the healing didn't really come until a few years after when my body was fully healed. So after three months of drinking six juices a day and then eating a lot of homemade chocolate every single day, the tumor was completely gone, completely dissolved. So it just started getting smaller and smaller and smaller after about the first month. And then I was like, okay, now I'm you know strong again. Now my immune system's boosted. I also shed a lot of excess weight from all the processed food. And then I felt like, wow, I'm getting my natural body weight back again. And then over the next few years is when I did deeper mental and emotional work to ensure that the addiction didn't pop up somewhere else in my life. Yeah,
0: that's so important because addictions just get transferred.
1: And when they we can, serve, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Unless you do the work, unless you do the yeah, healing. I we know go for there. myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but wasn't this thing? It got transferred to the next. And same with anxiety and insecurity and so forth. It's like once we solve that problem, sometimes it gets transferred unless you dig down deep.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: For the listeners who might be like, well, what could I replace a burger with? What could I replace? You know, my ice cream Can are there really things that would taste just as good? Yeah. And you and I know that's true because you cooked many times in my kitchen and I use a lot of your same recipes and we share a lot of different things back and forth about all of these amazing food alternatives that taste just as good, but don't do the damage on our body. Don't cause the inflammation, the acidity and so forth. But for those that are listening, is it really possible? Like, yeah. and, and what are some of those things that you recommend?
1: Yeah, well, this is my favorite thing to talk about because it is so exciting because I think that's what why people don't stop eating junk foods because they're like, I'm not going to give up my gummy bears and my ice cream, my pizza. I was the same. I was like, how could I never eat gummy bears again for the rest of my life? There actually is an alternative for every single thing you're craving. I promise you, like everything. So this is, I have the most fun with my patients when I work in, at the medical health clinic in New York City um, at Complete Wellness. So when they come in, I'm like, okay, hit me up with all your cravings. Like tell me all of them. And so for example, a burger, like in New York City, we have Bear Burger, which is that chain of grass-fed burgers. They make their own bread. They do gluten-free. They make their own ketchup, doesn't have corn syrup and it tastes delicious. So that's the key. But then people can always make their own burger as well. So there's two different options, right? Make it yourself or go buy it from somewhere healthier. And ice cream I have in my all three of my books is a cashew ice cream bites with chocolate sauce recipe. It's one of my favorite recipes. It is so delicious. Like it's just mind-blowing that we can eat something that's actually nutritious and tastes like really good at the same time. But I also tell people, if you go out and try different almond milk ice creams or coconut milk ice creams and you don't like them, it's not fulfilling the craving, then you haven't found your key yet. So keep searching and find that ice cream that like hits the spot and you're like, whoa, I can eat this and I'm not going to crave the other stuff. It was all about upgrading and we're moving away from those old age foods and that whole food system. We're moving into like this new age food system now, which is an upgrade and we're just raising the consciousness of the food industry and all the foods. So it's going to get easier. And also people's taste buds change. I tell them that too. Like if you start drinking green juice every day, you know, after six months here, you have completely different taste buds. And you look back at the old foods you used to be eating. You're like, how did I even like that? I don't even like that. Whereas sometimes there can be like a cellular imprint for people. They might still like that same ice cream for five years. It might take that long to kind of detox it out of the body. But eventually like on the health path, we just cleanse out all the stuff, all the food that no longer serves us. So it just gets easier and easier. Yeah, I mean, just write to me on IG. Like, hey, what about gummy bears? Hey, what about pizza? And I'm like, okay, check out these three different gummy bear brands, and here's a recipe for that I use to make gummy bears. So, yeah, there's so many options, yeah, yeah. and
0: we often think, okay, well, that's going to take so much more time and so much more energy and so much more money. But do you want to pay for the cost and the time and the energy now, or do you want to pay for when you get sick? And so it's, you know, it's kind of weighing back and forth, and I think that we have to move into the space and the energy and the mindset of prevention. It just has to start happening.
1: We have to. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like that saying, like we work so hard in our youthful years to make millions of dollars and we abandon relationships and health. And then when we're 40, 50, we might have millions of dollars, but we're really sick and we might have cancer and we don't have relationships. So it's like, we're living now. It's like, let's have this balance. Let's be preventative. Let's have health and wealth, and relationships. You know, let's have it all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was so great because when you got here and we were just jamming and talking about the last couple of days, we've been seeing a lot of these toxic food practices coming out in the news and so forth. And we were like excited about it. And and so I would love for you to just share a little bit about that and, and how people can really do this research to find out what is good, what is not good. Because I think it's really challenging, right? To look at a product on the shelf and know whether or not it's actually... Good for Good, us. Not, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, the best way to check is by just reading the ingredients for everything, and we also have to tap into like we all have wisdom built in and we all have intuition built in. And so when we read the ingredients, you know, we can tell like okay, I can understand all these ingredients or what the heck is that? And if we don't understand something, Google it because you want to know, oh, that's a preservative. Oh, and it's been proven to cause cancer. Like we want to stay away from those types of ingredients. So yeah, the last few weeks have been so exciting because one of my favorite parts of doing this job is that seeing toxic companies being exposed because these companies have caused a lot of health issues, cancer, heart disease, inflammation, nervous system issues, which leads to anxiety, depression, and even suicide. Like it's serious what these people have, you know, what these companies have been doing like Monsanto, for example. So they were exposed last year and were forced to pay, you know, a few couple million to someone who has cancer and it was linked to their pesticides. But just recently they were sued $2 billion. Like what? Like, whoa. So like, this is getting real. Like they're not getting away with it anymore. And they got away with it for so long because they are making billions of dollars and they can tell people, you know, they can tell people like, okay, be quiet. Here's some money if you just don't ever say anything about our product. But now it's getting too expose. So I think it's just going to get better and better. We're going to see more Toxic companies being exposed. And that's great for all of everyone who's listening who is in this food revolution or industry or who's an advocate who's passionate about it. Because I know some people's hearts ache for this and they're like, I really want to help the food industry or I want to be part of the food industry. And so if that excites you as well, like seeing those companies get exposed, like that's basically it turning over and like we're winning in that good sense. And then the other one was a pharmaceutical company in Boston. They were exposed for peddling drugs and forcing doctors to sell them to patients who didn't need them. So it's like there's so much of that going on where the patient just looks at a doctor like a god and just is like, okay, you want me to take these 10 medications? Okay. Even though they have no idea what's in it, what is it doing? You know, it's like they get away with on the TV, they're like, this may cause like anxiety or liver failure or kidney failure. You know, if we were to come out with a supplement, like, ashwagandha and be like oh but it may cause suicidal thoughts depression i mean the fda would take us down in a second so i'm seeing a complete flip yeah. shift in that yeah. so that's very exciting
0: yeah so i think the two places that if you're listening and you you want to take a stand for this is one with your dollar
1: right yes. so doing the
0: research and really creating that vote because when we buy products from sustainable eco-friendly companies that are actually doing you know the right things we're casting a vote for the products we want to have in our homes. And two then to becoming your own advocate for your health. So yes. so actually when you're sitting down and you only have a minute with your doctor, either demand more time or ask questions or go home and do your research. And if that doesn't happen, then start getting multiple opinions and going to functional and integrative doctors and getting more opinions and doing more research and, you know, and not that we're against taking any medical advice at all, but we have to really become our own advocate. We have to start taking a stance for our own health. And when we're only allowed to have a one to two minute conversation about what's happening with our symptoms, it isn't really enough time to really get a full picture of what's happening. And what I love so much about your work is that you talk a lot about how Relationships, career, lifestyle, every area of your life is impacting your health. Yeah. Not just food.
1: Right. Yeah. It's all, there's all different elements for health. And this is where a health and nutrition coach comes into because the doctors, the way the system's set up, they can't spend more than a few minutes with you. So having a really good health coach or nutritionist, when they can really talk to you for like 25 minutes about your symptoms and get like a whole health history, it can be super, super helpful. And when I found out that medical doctors only get four hours of nutrition training, I was like, okay, that explains a lot. And you know, if your doctor is not telling you to eat good foods or doesn't get the connection between eating good foods and your health, then it's definitely time to get a new doctor. Yeah. And what other lifestyle factors? Sleep. Sleeping. Stress. We need eight hours sleep a night. We do. And if we only get five or six some nights, we need to be like, okay, Thursday, I'm going to catch up. Friday, I'm going to catch up. We can catch up on sleep for sure because it relaxes our nervous system. So, and that's tricky for us who are ambitious because we want to get so much done in the day. We want to get so much work done. But what I've learned is like, you know, if I just dedicate eight hours a day for working and I have eight hours a day for resting, sleeping, and then eight hours a day for play, for those in betweens, for having fun, like doing random things, nothing scheduled. So it's like, that's a good balance, you know, and we've been given those 24 hours for a reason. So definitely sleep and then also mental, emotional health. And, you know, I went through a lot of trauma. So, and for people who have listening who do go through trauma, like we need to do some extra work now, put in that work with a therapist or a psychoanalyst and have that support to kind of heal that so that we don't continue to do damage from that wounded place. So we'll have to deal with it when we're 40 or 50 years old or 60 you know, it's, and it's never too late to start working on that anyway. So it's just like that mental health and emotional health is super important. And then having a really good spiritual practice too. So, you know, my belief is that the number one relationship we should have, which is the relationship we have with God, or if people call it higher power or whatever, but God is like number one, number two is ourself. So there should be an order, and so, you know, sometimes I get so busy, I live in New York City and Times Square, I wake up sometimes and I'm like, okay, where's my phone? And then I'm like, wait, I'm like, hi God. <laughs> like, wait, wait, let me just yeah. check in with the number one. Yeah. Like the number one's God. And then I'm like, okay. And then there's me. Okay. How am I doing? How am I feeling? What am I going to do today? So that's like number one, number two. So yeah, just having that priorities.
0: Do you have the same routine every day or do you, or parts of it every day? Or do you, so for example, I in the morning check in with myself and say, what is it that I need today? And I really trust my intuition. So I really don't have a systematic routine for things. I really check in every day. And I'm curious how you live in terms of routine and self-care and instruction (laughs) and so forth.
1: Yeah. Well, it's been random for so long because I've been traveling like crazy, but I try and listen to as much like soul food as possible. Like things that I feel like, wow, that's really healing my soul. But just recently I implemented this new thing that I'm trying out. So it's like 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night, just having time to pray and to meditate and just connect with God. Then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to go out in the day and like work and like socialize. And then then I come back at the end of the day, okay, to God again. And I'm like, you know, thank you for this day. I feel like I could have done a bit better here. Thank you so much for when that happened. That was such a blessing. I feel like I was out of line here when I said this to this person, I probably shouldn't have said that, like... So, I kind of reflect on the day and then I pray for, like, okay, a good sleep. And then in the morning, the same thing, like, okay, God, I just pray for a really good day today. I'm really grateful to have my eyesight, my ears. Like, you know, I try and just remember to be super grateful. And then the only other two things I do every day, like on a set routine that I've done for a long time, and this is my 10th year drinking chlorophyll every day. So, whether it's chlorophyll droppers or a powder or a green juice or a green smoothie, Every single day, that's something I just will never miss because my body feels so much better. I know I'm protecting my brain from that. And then I do one hour of body maintenance every day. So that's like just one hour dedicated only to my body and like not thinking about anyone else or anything else and just being like visualizing too, visualizing and practicing good posture. I might walk on the beach. I might just lie there some days and just stretch and do a visualization. Sometimes I'll lift weights at the gym, surfing, like it's always different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing,
1: we had a conversation. I think
0: maybe a couple months ago you were here, and we were talking about how you offer subconscious reprogramming meditation to your clients when they're holding on to stored weight or they're feeling they're struggling right in their body and they're not finding that self love that they really are wanting to tap or access. And I'm curious, you know, we don't have time for a, a long meditation, but I'm curious about that process because. It was so profound when you were telling me about it cuz I was like, wow, this is this is very similar to the work that I do and you're working at this medical practice. So, yeah. <laughs> it was like it was like, wow, you're really integrating very similar approach to the belief system, right? That if you're lacking something or holding on to something or storing emotion in your subconscious, maybe you're operating from a place you don't even know of and shifting that in the subconscious is a really powerful practice.
1: Yes. I'd love
0: to hear a little more about what you do <laughs> with
1: that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I found with working with patients at the med clinic, like sometimes the ones who come in and for months, they're really diligent in being super healthy and their food journals immaculate. You know, they're eating so good. They're drinking good. It's basically perfect. You couldn't want a better like food journal from them. So then it's like, oh wow. And they're still holding on to that weight. So then it's like, okay, now we need to go deeper. So I found with some patients, like they can't get to that next level until they do this reprogramming work. So then I start to go into it with them, with their mind and their reprogramming. And I talk about Anthony Robbins a lot in it as well. So I'll just tell them, depending on who it is and what the situation is, but it's usually having them just think affirmations like, I deserve to be at my natural body weight, not too skinny and not too big, but my natural, healthy, vibrant body weight so i can live my healthiest life possible from now for the rest of my life you know i want to be vibrant i want to feel good every single day and if someone's having issues in certain areas i get them to visualize that so if it's say the stomach for example you just just sit there and just visualize like their dream stomach or them walking down the beach with their dream stomach and then oh oftentimes a waist trainer can help with that as well like Cause some women and just not, not to rearrange the organs in an unhealthy way. Cause I know waist trainers have gotten an, a bad rap. I'm actually wearing a waist trainer right now, you are. but it's for, <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah. So you can't tell, right. But cause that's, sometimes women, if we, especially with the thyroid issues, we just pop our stomach out and just let it go. And we're just like, uh, and that throws our posture off and it makes our boobs sag quicker than they should. So having like a waist trainer helps like keep the posture up and the belly in and the abs in. So that can help that area. But then, so then I'm telling my patients, okay, if you're wearing a waist trainer, think those affirmations of like, look, I'm putting in all this effort and all this work. And so effort equals results. So I am getting the results. They're coming to me. It might take some time, but I trust that they're coming to me. And then sometimes I have to go really deep. Some people, cause some people really hate themselves and they think, oh, no matter what I do, I'm just never going to be healthy. I'm never going to look good. So I'll tell them, that's where I go to God with that. I'm like, you're a child of God. You're an equal child of God, just like every single person. Like no one is better than you. No one is worse than you. You know, you're an equal, beautiful, royal child of God. You're royalty. You deserve that. It's your God-given right. Like you deserve to have that body. And I tell them like, you think you need to keep that weight that's around your stomach forever? I'm like, no, because that was created from fear and sadness and wounds and grieving, it's not you anymore. So that is going to go. It's not part of your cellular structure anymore. It's a lot of conversations right. like, like that. Yes. And then sometimes I get them to repeat it. I'd be like, okay, tell me. Tell me you love your stomach. Yeah, yeah. And are like, it loves it. Yes, right. It's so yeah.
0: challenging to actually say it out yeah. loud, right? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I even noticed myself. Finding it very challenging when I started that healing journey, I was like, I can't even look at myself in the mirror and say it, let alone say it out loud to a friend. And but I think once you do, it's actually becomes truth, it, and yeah, then so it, it goes in easier. your subconscious yeah. as, "Wow, this is this is actually truth." I also think sometimes we're living in a society culturally where we just believe everything needs to be hard; otherwise, we're not. It's not worthy, mm-hmm. right? We're not worthy of it. Yeah. And unless there's a struggle, unless there's a fight, unless it, we work 10 years to get it, we're not worthy of that experience. And so people apply that to their bodies as well. And so that's part of the subconscious resistance and saying, wow, this can be really easy. This, you know, having a healthy body is something that is innately ingrained in me. It's what my body wants. It's part of balance and homeostasis and my body's actually working to be healthy, but yet I'm the one, my subconscious is the one that's actually causing the resistance to happen, so. Yeah, I love that work. I'm so grateful that you're doing that with your clients because it's so, so crucial.
1: Yeah. It's definitely an an element that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. We can no longer ignore that the mind and the body are connected. Like it's just not possible when we're now looking at the holistic side of health. It's like 100% interconnected. Let's talk about your book, Cancer Free With Food, because- So what's so profound about this book and why I'm so excited to share with everyone that's listening is that my father's story is actually in this book. So my father had terminal cancer when I was in my teenage years, and I remember telling Liana about it, and she was like, I would love to interview your father and your mother who had helped your father cure his cancer for this book, and so... They went through a series of interviews and now he's actually in this book published by Hay House, which is really, really exciting. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about the inspiration for this book and other, you know, all the other stories that are in it that really bring light to this idea that food is powerful in the the respect of healing cancer and it can be done and that different types of cancer need different types of food to heal and Mm -hmm. so forth.
1: Yeah, well, I was definitely excited to share your dad's story, Bill, Bill Stewart, and his story is on page one twenty one, yeah, <laughs> under yeah, bladder yeah. cancer. And I actually refer this story to a lot of people because in the book I share stories of people who healed cancer with surgery and food, chemo and food, and then no conventional treatments and just food, like your father, which is so profound. So I give them options, you know. And I when I meet a patient, I'm like. Where do you feel like you're going to go? You know, do you want to do chemo and food or just food? Some people are adamant, like, nope, I'm going just food. That's it. So I tell them, read Bill's story and read others like that. So yeah, I mean, the whole concept with this is that there's different cancers and different foods that go with different cancers. So I was just really inspired to research like what's having a good effect with breast cancer and lung cancer and bladder cancer. And I wanted to know all the most common cancers that are out there and skin cancer is the number one most diagnosed wow. cancer. Yeah. And it's interesting that they did some studies that show that sunscreen causes cancer, yeah. which is just- It's now that's coming out too. Yeah. That's coming out it's recently everywhere. as well. I'm like seeing
0: it yeah. over and over of how the minute you put sunscreen and then you're in, when you go in the pool and you're in yeah. chlorine, that's uh, like, it causes this chemical reaction to take place toxic and it's like mess. so toxic for kids. Yeah. And now that's being exposed and- I'm just like how much was known and how much wasn't known and what have we done and what are we going to look back on now that, you know, now what we're doing and saying, oh my gosh, this was causing cancer as well. And so I'm really happy that that's coming out as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's easy for people, if you look at it from an indigenous perspective, you'll always know what's a safe product and food or what's not. Because the more natural it is, right, if it comes straight from the earth you know it's a lot safer than all these crazy chemicals. Like the more chemicals something has, the more we have to be wary of it. You know, and some people will say, well, there's bacteria in nature and there's worms and there's parasites in nature and stuff like that. And sure, there is, but still the Aboriginal people had a cancer rate of 0%. So that just didn't even exist in their society or their thinking. They never thought of this person has cancer. It just didn't exist. But yeah. So half of this book is recipes and the other half is all the science and the research that have been on foods that have been proven to kill cancer cells and reduce tumors. So I go into a lot of the science studies. I think that that will help people's mindset a lot too. And just to kind of put it in the brain and the mind of like, oh, wow. So cacao powder has been proven to be in, have anti-tumor activities, which is awesome. And tiger nuts have been proven to be effective with helping protect the liver during chemotherapy. So if even if someone's doing conventional treatments, there's a lot of foods here that can help. And if someone just wants to go only food, then these are the foods to go with. So I listed the top 15 foods that are the most powerful to be anti-cancer.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about, let's say someone is going the chemo and the radiation route, which again, we're You know, we always recommend getting, you know, medical advice and we're not saying not to go that route by any means, but I do think it's important that we point out that while you're going that route, it is very, very important for what goes in your body from the food side of it, from the, even like what's going in your mind from a toxic side of it. Like what's in your environment? What are you reading? What are you watching? What there's all these studies on if you're laughing a lot, it helps kill cancer cells versus if you're depressed and you're in anger. So I think it's really important that we still address this topic, even if you're going the conventional route, which is great. And we totally respect that. There is still the importance of healing your body with food and creating this really healthy environment to do that.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's only going to increase your chances of healing and beating that cancer and then staying cancer free forever. So yeah, and I'm with Sarah, you know, disclaimer, not saying this is a substitute for medical advice. It's to go with it you know, we obviously have to eat a nutritious diet as well as follow medical advice. So yeah, I mean, one of the cancer survivors in here, she did a smoothie every day. She calls it the chemo brain buster because there's something called chemo brain that people get if they're going through chemo. So it's like brain fog. It just really fries your brain. So she did this smoothie every day that had, you know, coconut oil and spirulina just to protect her brain, to help her get through chemo. So you definitely want to go through more measures if you're going through conventional treatments to keep your body strong and to keep your mind intact as well. So that's why I wanted this book to be for every single person who has cancer so that they know because, I mean, hospitals are still feeding people sloppy joes. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say that. I remember when my dad was sick, I was literally like sneaking in bags of healthy foods into the hospital
1: wow, and they yeah. were not
0: happy about it. And I was like bringing smoothies and I was like, what is this? Like you're feeding my father jello." And I was, it was just like one of those moments where you become very angry and you're like, oh my gosh, you're so thankful because there are doctors and there's medical teams and we have some of the best in the world. But then you're also just so angry that like, for me, I was so angry that, you know, that his meals were food that we're not living. We're not clean, had chemicals in it mm-hmm. and had white sugar, white sugar mm-hmm. and, were, and you know, white bread. And we're just extremely toxic for and proven to basically increase cancer risk. Yes. So, yeah, so I remember that specifically. So, you know, it, there's a fine balance, but you also have to trust in your own intuition. And for me, it was like, OK, I'm going to going to carry those bags of grease in and
1: yeah. make sure he's eating, eating the so healthy, awesome.
0: healthy foods. So.
1: Yeah, well, one of the stories I share in here, Chris Walk, he had bowel cancer, stage three, and it clicked for him after he had a first surgery when they removed part of his bowel. The first meal they gave him was a sloppy joe. And then he that's when he thought, oh, wow, something's not right here. Like, what are the dots? And I used to get really angry at it too. And then I started going to these trade shows with the food scientists go to and getting to know the food scientists because these are the ones who develop foods for schools and hospitals. And legit, most of them don't know what they're doing is poisoning and killing people. They have no idea. They look at food as a science of like, how can we mix this compound with this chemical and for it to make this nice texture or to create this food that costs $2, for example. So they're not thinking health at all. And so just seeing them and and talking to them like, oh, well, maybe we can incorporate sunflower seed butter in the food system instead of peanut butter. You know, That would be a huge upgrade and just... Showing them the different inflammatory effects. And, you know, some butter is more uh, nutritionally superior than peanut butter anyway. So it's like it has the same texture. So just, it's like the food scientists who are developing this, they're all getting like re educated. Everyone's just getting, this everyone's whole new getting re re-educ- yeah, yeah. And we don't
0: always know what the motive behind these things A lot of times it's mass production, a lot of times it is cost. So when you're looking at mass production for, all the school districts, it you know, we don't know what's actually behind that, and so I think it's important, and and I have worked a lot with my anchor around these things, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it gets frustrating as an activist, yeah, as an activist, gets frustrating, it gets yeah. frustrating, and to say, okay, you know, through the process of just educating one person at a time, at a time. And so if you're listening, you're like, how do I even start this process? I'm curious where you would start. Your other two books, I think, are great places to start as well. One of them is The Earth Diet, and the other one is 10-Minute Recipes from The Earth Diet. Both of them are amazing. I have both of them, and it's really easy 10-Minute Recipes you can't go wrong with. But yeah, where do people start if they're like, I'm just confused with everything. I'm researching. I'm in overwhelm. Yeah. What do you recommend?
1: Well, I mean... My cancer free with food book is a good one for like educating the mind because it makes it very clear of like, okay, if I eat these foods, I reduce my chances of ever getting cancer, which also means not getting diseases and diabetes and all of that other crazy stuff that comes with it. So I think this is a good, like if you just want to dive in and get that like strong education, that one, but the earth diet is a bit of a lighter approach. It's like, okay, let's go back to nature and eat food straight from earth. And also it's about natural skincare and household products too. So reducing our whole toxic or load with everything we're buying and using and just reducing the amount of toxins that we have on our skin and in our home. All three of them have recipes. But if you're just wanting some really quick, delicious recipes, the 10-minute recipe book, is definitely good to start. Yeah, yeah. and we'll I will definitely post just get all three of them. I just recommend yeah, just getting get all three. three get the collection because um,
0: <laughs> you will use them, you will read them, you'll love them.
1: Yep, yeah. and also the great gifts. Most yeah. people I meet, they're like, I bought your book like five times. And every time someone comes over, they, they take it. So like, it's they're good for gift giving yeah. as well. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: And I think it's really important that even if you don't have cancer, like you said, the cancer free with food is such a great book because why not focus on prevention? You know, When my dad got sick, it was like there was an even stronger pull in me to learn about holistic health because I was like, I don't want to ever have cancer either. So what can I do today to prevent this? And then I went on my whole journey of fashion and so forth and kind of went down the wrong path, but came back years later. But when we focus on prevention, it empowers us and gives us a different momentum to say, okay, I actually can take care of my health. Mm -hmm. And
1: is it 6% of chronic disease is genetic? Is that what we were saying? According to Mark Hyman, when he was in oncology school, his oncology professor said 70% of all cancer is created from diet. So the other 30% is from genetics, from environment and and from stress. So- 70% 70% we have a lot of control in our yeah. hands to make so sure 70% is yeah. food.
0: And then the other 30% is stress, which we can control, have yes, control over yes. environment, which we can to some extent. And genetics, gen- and genetics,
1: which we can't, but we can suppress the triggers. So for me, I triggered the cancer because it runs in my family. It wasn't my genetics, but say, you know, now I'm eating totally healthy, cancer-free, you know, so it's like for the rest of my life, I don't see myself triggering those things again, unless I started eating junk food, which I don't think is possible because those foods don't taste like anything to me anymore. And now I, you know, practice reducing my stress and all of that. So we do have control to be cancer-free for the rest of our life. But also with this book, it's like if you're creating a cancer-free environment for your body and your home and your mind as well, because we've got to keep cancer out of the mind also. Then you can. Guarantee you're going to be living your healthiest, best life. Like, you're going to be looking amazing. You're going to be looking vibrant, like from the inside out. And so that's what it's about, right? For us being our best, healthiest self. Because we all individually, I think everyone individually looks so cool. Like, we all have such a different look, different character. Like, God just made us so individual and so unique. But I really feel like God's intention was for us to live our healthiest, best, most joyful life, not having all this disease or any excess. So, that's what this book is about to just kind of, when you read it, I feel like you're just drinking like a million green juices for your mind and then cleansing out all the old stuff that no longer serves you. It just like comes off like pew.
0: Yeah, this is so true. And one of the questions I was asked when we did our Facebook live was, how did you deal with the fear of having cancer? Because when you have that fear, a lot of people just go down the rabbit hole, right? And when you talk about healing the mind of that fear- how did you manage that? Because I've been in some circumstances where I was at the doctor and really very much in fear. And it took me a lot to really shift the mindset, like when I was going through my breast implant illness and so forth, of really having to find myself in those moments. So I'm curious yeah. for you. What- you mean like the
1: craziest fear, yeah. like the darkest fear like when you times? were
0: in it, yeah. when you were actually in it and diagnosed, it's very easy to go into the fear state, yeah. which manifests into unhealthy behavior, right? Yes. And so I'm curious what those steps were for you because I feel like that was, well, I definitely got that question a lot when we did the Facebook Live, but I get that question quite often where it is so easy to go down that rabbit hole of fear-based thinking and more stress and what will happen. And
1: Yeah, it is. And I love talking about this subject so much because a lot of people are facing it right now, whether they're talking about it or not. Most people are suffering very silently from this. And so- I do want to encourage more conversations like this. Your podcast is so great for this. So the mind truly is a battlefield, like total battle. So if I'm sitting there and when I was going through it and that fear hit and it was like, oh, well, this could happen, this could happen. The cancer could just spread and I could die, you know, really quickly. I I might just like get so obese and like all these really dark thoughts, right? And then I'm never going to live out my purpose. I'm never going to feel happy again. I'm going to be depressed for the rest of my life. So. I was like, wait, okay, well, where are those thoughts coming from? And when I learned like, okay, those thoughts aren't coming from God because God would never say those things. Same with depression. You know, I fell into a severe depression and I had thoughts of like, hmm, well, should I take my life? Should I kill myself? And then I was like, wait, God's not telling me to kill myself. God will never tell us those mean evil things, right? So we need to know the difference. And there is a major polarity difference between Those really negative enemy thoughts versus God's soothing, loving thoughts. And so, like seeing them so clearly different, I was able to go, you know what? That's not coming from the source. It's not coming from the highest, my highest self or highest energy. That's coming from a very dark, negative enemy place. And you know what? They don't deserve to be here. So, I I saw them kind of like a junk food, right? It was like, oh, that's corn syrup. That needs to just never <laughs> yeah. be in my life again. Like goodbye, yeah. corn syrup. Yeah, yeah. So then I was able to tell myself, oh, okay. So I'm meant to be joyful. I'm meant to be, live a happy life. So I was able to like plant these new thoughts in my mind and also invite God in my mind and say, God, like I give my mind to you. Like here, take over it. Put those thoughts you want in there. Those loving, positive thoughts in there. And I very slowly just started to make my way to that mind healing and create, like, you know, I went to battle in my mind, basically, but we have to win that battle. Yeah, yeah. It's so powerful. I've never heard it described that way. And I
0: absolutely love it because, and I'm going to use it. So thank you. I'm like, I mean, I'll get your permission before, but I'm like, that's such a great analogy and something I would love to share with my clients because. It's true. And the stories that you're operating from most of the time aren't our stories. Those stories are from something you heard or something you saw on TV or media or cultural conditioning or society or so forth. And so I always am like, this is not my highest truth. This isn't my intuition. This isn't who I am at the deepest core of who I am. So I never thought about it being, you know, God come into my mind and just be there and operate from that place. Yes, It's really beautiful. Yeah.
1: And we're so programmed from that negative space, from media, from the culture, like it's so strong. And that's why like we get ideas of like, that's where I got the idea from was from the culture of like, oh, maybe I should take my life, you know, like we need to unplug ourselves from that culture and move more into this space of like, oh, every day actually we can be joyful no matter what's going on. That's also something I learned was like, even though I have cancer, even though I'm addicted to junk food, even though I'm overweight, I was like, well, I still can be joyful today because I still have these 10 things I can be grateful for. I still have my eyesight. I still have my legs. You know, I still have a place to live. I still have this friend. I still have that family member. So it was like not just focusing on all the really bad stuff that was happening. It was like, okay, I also need to look at the good stuff and I can revel in that and I can be joyful in that and enjoy life right now, even though I'm very far away from where I want to be. Right. You know, Right.
0: so powerful. Are there any last words you want to leave the audience with or any insights or anything that's really exciting right now that's happening in your life?
1: I mean, I'm just carrying the book out and traveling everywhere with the book right now. So that's really exciting. So I would just say like, always keep in your mind that anything is possible. Like it's so simple, but anything's possible. Like something can change like right now in this moment. And I'm sure listening to a conversation like this, like things start to shift, right? So the more conversations we listen to like this, the more we read, the more green juices we put in our body, like the quicker we start to transform our experience. So yeah,
0: that's so powerful. And what I, I heard something recently that was like, what's the phrase you're actually putting into Google? Like, what is the thing that you're actually searching for? And when we're searching for positive things that actually comes back to us. So are you searching for what things can cure cancer? What can bring me more joy? Instead of searching for the things that are negative or not positive and so forth. So it's like, what are you on the lookout for all day long? And in this moment, can you create that shift? In this moment, like you said, can you find the answer? And for so many people, it's been your book. And for so many people, it's been your work and finding you. And it's kind of leading them down this path of inspiration and creative. I mean, so many of my friends have read your book and reaching out to you and so forth. So it's exciting and it's exciting to see us all on this wellness path to greater well-being and happiness. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful guys. When you have a chance after this podcast, go to Amazon, grab cancer-free with food. Also check out the earth diet and Liana's 10 minute recipe book as well. If you have any questions for her, where can they find you?
1: So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I'm on social media a lot. So definitely just write to me there, say hi. I love chatting with everyone on there. And it's definitely teamwork. You know, We need to all reduce the health epidemic we're in right now. And I'm not going to stop until I see the cancer statistics go down. And it might take 40 years. I don't know how long it will take, hopefully sooner, but one in two men getting cancer and one in three women is just not acceptable. So like I'm on this mission, you know, for good. So hopefully you'll join if you're listening and you feel called to like join, join the force. So yeah, I'll see you on social media. And thanks so much, Sarah, for having me. Yeah, thank <laughs> you so
0: much. It's, I'm so grateful. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation and so glad you're in town. And um, I'm sure we'll do another one soon. Is it me or are you feeling completely inspired to get in your kitchen and whip up some healthy, delicious foods? Liana makes it so, so easy. And I can tell you from using her recipes, it is. I use her 10-minute recipes all the time. So thank you again, Liana. It means the world to me that you are here sharing your story with us. And thank you for being here and sharing your time with us today as well. I think it's so important for other people to know that it's possible to overcome what can seem like the impossible. So the call to action this week is to share your story. That's the challenge. Share something profound that has happened in your life with just one other person. Because by sharing your story, you open a door of hope for someone else to walk through. More and more individuals are coming forward with miraculous healing stories, just like Liana's, healing through food, healing through the mind-body practices, healing through meditation. So if you're called to double up on this action for today's podcast, share someone else's story as well. As much as social media gets a bad rap, I think we can all use it for the betterment of ourselves and others, and we can all clutter up the gram with positive things and inspiration. So before you go, remember, it is possible to heal from the inside out, and it starts with every single day choices. It starts by looking at our relationships with food, making this decision to nourish our bodies, and paying attention to what's on our plate Thank you again for showing up today. Thank you for being here. Until next week, my friends, keep inspiring others and living your healthiest life. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.